0: welcome to the team health podcast program beyond clinical medicine what they don't teach you in residency i'm rob strauss team health's chief medical training officer and this podcast is one of our series discussing the work-life imbalance that many of us have to address in our daily lives specifically many have had to address adversity in our practices and that's before covid and add all the increasing burdens, the onslaught of patients, decreasing resources, staff, colleagues, nurses, beds, bursting at the seams, waiting areas, frustrated patients, family members, colleagues, some of whom just simply left. More deaths without the ability to do much about it, and after all, we're the fix-it people. A recipe for overwhelming stress, and Medscape recently cited data to show more stress and burnout than ever with the most highly stressed physician groups, emergency physicians and critical care medicine physicians. And here today with us today uh, is Elizabeth Chapiton Rivard. She is a critical care physician boarded in both critical care medicine and pulmonary medicine and practicing and the director at the Piedmont Medical Center in South Carolina. She's a team leader for the Special Ops or a SWAT team program. Uh, Her system medical director, Nate Kesner, says that she is loved by every patient, every family, and every staff member. How does she do that in this environment? Elizabeth, welcome.
1: Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you guys today.
0: Thank you. Uh, So, Tell us a little bit about what you do. Why why critical care medicine?
1: So critical care medicine um, for me, um, since I'm an adult critical care doctor is basically taking care of people when they're acutely, critically ill or at their worst days. So I treat anybody over the age of 14 with anything that could be considered a life ending illness. We sometimes call this uh, medicine on crack because we have to intervene so quickly that we have to try to um, save the individual or fix the individual's problems within a short time period. So we do the whole scope of medicine, surgical recovery, all that stuff, but we do it in a very time constraint manner and with the sickest of the sick.
0: You do. Um, and uh, in the intro, I mentioned the Medscape article. Um, Tell us about your experience of increasing stress during this COVID time.
1: Yeah, I mean, burnout um, is something that all of us are facing, and it's actually pushed most of us to try to find other ways to cope from day to day. We definitely have the nursing shortages, we have um, patients that are sick and dying on every age group, um, not just from, you know, of course, the pandemic, but also. You know, patients that have waited a couple of years to come see a physician because of the pandemic and from them being scared. Um, and then we have the day-to-day illnesses and cancers and things that affect patients um, and people. So we're kind of affected on a personal level because each of us has been affected by the pandemic um, within our own families or ourselves and as individuals. Um, we've been scared to go to work. We've been scared at work. Um, and basically the fear has turned into courage uh, for most of the the ones around us, at least in the ICU. And it's the courage to keep going forward every single day um, rather than being afraid of what, what will happen or what might happen. So it's, it's been something that none of us have ever really faced before because before it was all you know, us treating patients and their families. Um, now it's us treating ourselves, hmm. um, all, of, all of our team around us and the patients and the families, which is a lot more stress on us as individuals and as a team. Um, So we've seen everything from, you know, uh, information in the media trying to affect us, information from the families trying to affect us, um, Dr. Google trying to intervene with us, um, and trying to do best practices within our own um, specialty. So we've kind of bonded together in a very unique kind of family team dynamic to continue to push forward and support each other. Um, Otherwise, we'd be losing a lot more than what we have already have.
0: So I want to talk about that. But before that, you recently said you were in a situation where many people died in a shift and you were taking care of a CSI victim. Can you tell us about that day a little bit?
1: Oh, yep. I mean, you go to work every day thinking, what, how bad could this possibly be? (laughs) Um, And, (laughs) you know, some days, Um, you know, God just kind of smiles and laughs at me and my team. And so, um, you know, we started the day um, with some very significant um, illnesses um, and started admitting patients. um, And they started passing away both from, you know, COVID and from non COVID diseases um, in a very quick manner. And it seemed like it just kept building up and building up. And we ended up losing about seven people within the 13 hour shift. And um, right smack dab in the middle of us just trying to you know, support each other we ended up with a um, victim of a crime um, who has now passed away from that crime um, and we ended up with on top of the family members almost 50 of them there in our chapel um, you know grieving out loud and screaming and crying we also ended up with um, people just having the cops there um, they ended up with the CSI team there with forensics uh, taking pictures So it made an already bad situation much worse. Um, So, you know, after we kind of survived that whole situation, I, of course, am the person that orders the cookies and donuts and things like that because, you know, simple carbs go a long way. So we ended up having quite a few um, cookies um, and tears because it just kept going until basically an hour, hour and a half after the end of my, you know, scheduled shift um, and, we just couldn't believe kind of what we had gone through throughout the day. So it was kind of an incredibly horrible day um, seeing that many people pass away, but then having a very young person be the victim of such a terrible crime. uh, It it was very eye-opening. It made us grateful for the other days, the days that maybe we only deal with a couple deaths or, or, or even just a bad day, a normal bad day is something we would rather have rather than that kind of day. So it was extraordinary, but I have an extraordinary team. So, you know, they held strong. Um, And even though we were there a couple hours after the chart and everything, after everything happened, you know, I think, I think we did okay. And I think the family, um, when they were waiting for me to walk out that day, they waited for me down the lobby to hug me goodbye. Um, It was, it was pretty extraordinary for them to be able to come out the other side of that and feel like they were supported, especially after losing somebody who was a young mom. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um, so that is, first of all, that what a testament to you and the caring that you and your team were able to give during the most of the most extreme times. So coping with critical merit medicine is, is difficult enough, but how do you sleep with all the things in addition to the patient care that get in the way you're wearing PPE you're, uh, you, you can't touch. Uh, as much as you normally would. There are just so many things. How do you cope?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of different things that I use for coping mechanisms now, but um, the major one that I have is I just leave it all out on the floor. So I just go in, I do the best job that I know I personally can do. And so when I leave, I have that sense of, well, I did everything I possibly could for the patients and the team and myself to get through to the next day. Um, I have the most amazing spouse. He's like a rock Zen artist, you know, he's able to <laughs> decompress me, you know, he speaks to me, you know, however many times I need to during the day, whether it's FaceTime, whether it's just a chat, whether it's a text message, that's obviously very silly, um, cause he's also in medicine. Um, you know, we, we have a dog that he bought me during the pandemic and uh, I got many, what I call snoot conversations with a snoot up to the camera um, when I was trying to deal with horrible days by myself. Um, So, you know, once I get home um, or get into the hotel room when I'm traveling, uh, I leave the TV off. I avoid interactions with the media. um, I leave all of the social media off as much as I can unless it's something funny. um, And I just do a wind down and I go to sleep because I have to be the best me to move to go to the next day. And so those are kind of where I'm at with my coping mechanisms. I utilize them all in different manners and then of course there's the previously mentioned simple carbs of the cookies or whatever we have to have in the middle of the day it does kind of get you through to the next one but i i do pretty well with a sense of family and support
0: that sounds uh, it sounds incredibly helpful and it's it's again interesting how you can turn some negative things into Positive with the people around you. And you've had some personal trials. You became ill requiring a surgery that got put off because the ORs were essentially closed. So, just how long was that delayed?
1: Uh, so, I started having health issues like November, December, right before pandemic, you know, March 2020. And of course I waited until I got sick enough to get diagnosed uh, at the end of January as every good doctor does. Um, And then by the time they got done completely evaluating me to get me ready for a very large surgery, um, the ORs closed. So uh, I waited from that point um, until the beginning of July. So a total of about nine months symptomatic, seven months diagnosed uh, to actually be able to undergo a large enough procedure Um, That was not considered emergent, but was just semi-urgent at that point um, when I was diagnosed, just so that way we could get a grip on what this new world was going to be like.
0: Why not take time off and just take care of yourself?
1: You know, it's, it's, to me was not really an option. Um, I could function. I didn't have any problem with my brain and there was a huge need for somebody that was relatively rock steady, especially in emergency situations to help with, you know, besides the fact that if I took time off, it would probably be a financial strain on my own family. So, um, you know, I just kind of didn't give myself the option to think about it. I just kept going every single day to work um, and try to help as many places as I could help um, within the limits. And I just persevered through the mess that was happening in the background because that's part of who I am. Um, And really being a critical care doc is half of who I am. It's, it's what helps define me, which is me going there and, and doing that job. It's not just a job, it's me. So without that, um, I would have just been dwelling on what I was dealing with and everybody is dealing with something. So uh, for me, I just stepped into it. I learned how to get around my limitations. I learned how to take care of myself so that I could keep going. Um, and it it ended up working out okay because I just was monitoring how much I could or couldn't take. And if at any point I felt like, no, I'm not going to be good for the patients or good at the job, I would have stepped back, but I fortunately didn't reach that point.
0: Yeah. Good for you and your patients and your colleagues as well. So I want to, I want you to help me connect two things. Um, they, One is uh, what you say about bringing all of yourself to the table, which I assume means that you are as transparent and open as possible, and two, that after dealing with a day where there were seven deaths in 13 hours, plus a having to address a, a victim of a uh, a crime and the family afterwards came up and hugged you. How did, th- how did that all come together like that? What happens?
1: Uh, you know, for me, the way that I found um, the team to be more functional is for them to see into whatever I'm dealing with. Um, if I have a headache, I tell everybody I have a headache. Um, if we're all struggling together, I let everybody see me cry or be sad, or, um, you know, I, I share with them, you know, whatever I can bring. So what I'll bring to the table, for instance, with this family, I'd say, you know, I only have one sibling. I can't even imagine what it would be like to lose him. Or if it's a family that's losing a mom or dad, I just bond with them on the fact that I've been through surgeries with both my mom and dad within a month of each other. They are major heart surgeries. And I sat there at the bed next to him and I thought to myself, well, I guess I could code them if I have to. And so I bring that to the families and I say, you know, I have been on the other side of what you're dealing with. I understand some of what you're going through. And if you need to ask me anything, you need to talk to me about anything, the same thing with the nursing team or the respiratory team. You know, I never let them feel alone. I'm always present, even if we have three or four units, I tell them where am I gonna be at? I even tell them when I'm going to lunch. I mean, I tell them wherever I'm gonna be at so they feel supported. I tell them, you know, about my dog. I share dog pictures on rounds. Um, I share funny memes because I'm trying to bring the team together so that we help each other um, no matter what the circumstances are. You know, and I'm goofy and I'm silly and I'm constantly dancing and singing. And I know that I look goofy and I know I really can't sing, But it it does bring, you know, it brings some joy to the people around me. They think that I'm a nerd or whatever it may be. Um, Or we talk about some stories from, you know, residency past or whatever it may be, or how the nurses trained me to be a doctor. Um, All those things, I bring those, I bring stories, I bring, um, like, for Halloween, I had a big old pink bucket, because pink's my favorite color of candy around, and every nurse got candy all the time. And that's, that's kind of what I do, is I just bring whatever I think I can bring to the table. Um, and with the patients, it's not just, you know, uh, my brain or how fast I act, but it's also my heart. Um, and I try to tell them, you know, I talk to the ones that are unconscious. I tell them it'll be okay that we're taking care of them. I talk to the ones that have made it through it. You know, I, I constantly praise their loved ones that have saved their lives or whatever I can bring into it um, so that it shows what we are, We're not just our jobs, we're people too. So I try to involve all of that.
0: So you've shared with us uh, a bit of how you manage um, your work, communicating with people, uh, being a a real person with the nurses, the patients, their families. Um, Tell us a little more about you and your safe zone. You, You said that your husband is a star. You've got a puppy that you love. Um, How do you bring yourself to go back the next day?
1: I mean, I don't give myself an option right off the bat. I'm like, I'm going to work. It's on the schedule. And that's what I am. I, I'm going to go there no matter what, how I get between point A to point B is usually happy music Usually it's something that I can bounce my head with, that I can sing to, um, and I try to make sure that I know that I'm going to set the tone for the rest of the day with however I start the day off. Um, So I leave, you know, wherever I'm at. And when I'm traveling, I bring um, a very soft travel blanket um, and I bring my own stuff that surrounds me. I always have the same routine in the morning with the same perfume and everything so that I feel like me. And then once I have established me, I walk out the door and I've got playlists for every single thing that I can think of, um, stress relief versus other. And I get to that point and start the day in a relatively good mood. And sometimes it takes, you know, three or four Starbucks, uh, you know, large coffees, large iced coffees are the way to my heart, as well as very bad pop music. Um, And sometimes it doesn't take any of that. And I'm able to just get there by simply enjoying a deep breath of fresh air. So I transition from where am I at to battle mode is what I'll call it. So I go in, I know I'm going into battle mode, so I got to just bring it. Um, I'm going to, you know, sheath myself and everybody's that I just had, you know, that I touched base with. That I just had a conversation with my mom, especially is medically related. So she understands um, my dad, my, my brother's a little bit too sensitive to have these kind of conversations, but my husband's not. So I will talk to them. If I have to talk to them in the morning to get that go-go going, I will do that. And then I just move into the hospital and kind of put on that hat, you know, to, to do battle with whatever I got to face for the day.
0: So you take care of the patients, their families, the staff, your colleagues, you figured out how to take care of yourself and you do more. Not only are you... Uh, the medical director, but um, I believe you have a blog uh, of a for a, a women's group. Um, would it be inappropriate to ask the nature of those discussions?
1: No, I think I'm, you know, pretty much an open book. And if anybody listening to this wants to reach out to us, um, I, I think that that would be something great. So we're I'm involved in both a physician, a women physician group, and a women's infertility group online. Um, that's that's driven by physicians at this point in time, and the group of us is actively supporting each other on so many levels. Um, we find beds, ICU beds for each other in the physician group and in the women's group. Um, we're constantly trying to send pictures to each other. We're trying to send motivational things to each other, and and once a week we have a um just a post where we get to rant it's called a rant post (laughs) nobody has to look at what you rant about but it's it's a beautiful picture at the top and it says this is this week's rant post throw it out there what you're frustrated about it can be your job it can be your spouse it can be your financial situation it can be your fertility struggle it can be anything you want um and in the background of just trying to be a well-trained female physician most of us um are struggling with something else in our lives and it's turned out to be one of the best support groups that we have, because you don't have to go on there you know, every single minute of every single day. But if you want to, there's, there's funny stories, there's pictures, there's support, um, there's coupons. Um, women love coupons, by the way. And, and anything else that we can really think of for one another. So that has turned into a place where I utilize it where I probably wouldn't have before, um, but it is in a controlled environment. Um, And the women all know to support each other and not be judgmental. Um, And actually, the physician group is pretty much the same. But since I am a woman, I enjoy the women group a little bit more because uh, we don't have to worry about um, people not understanding what we're going through.
0: Would you like to share how somebody might access those groups?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, the physician group and the physician women um, that have fertility issues have to be accessed by a member um, so that we protect who's in the group so we don't have any spam or phishing or anything like that. So um, when I say if, if you want to reach out to me to contact me about those groups, you can do that. Um, I, I can open up my social media to receive um, you know, requests and then I can add you by getting your NPI number or something like that that identifies you as a physician for either group. Um, and that's fine with me. I would be happy to once this is posted, open that up for you guys to be able to search for my name. And then we can get you added without an issue. We add about 50 members a week or so. Um, but I'm sure there's a lot of you guys out there um, that may want or, or need to do that. Um, and maybe even within our own team here, we might be able to start something ourselves if there's enough interest.
0: Great, thank you, Elizabeth. You you've talked to us a lot about uh, difficult times. I appreciate your sharing uh, a way that some people who might have very specific kinds of questions and want to join a group that has you as a member and leader uh, can do that. Um, would you can you share sort of Uh, end of podcast advice for getting through difficult times?
1: Absolutely. Um, You're always stronger than what you give yourself credit for. You should always cut yourself a break first. And even if that means crying before you move on, that's not weakness, that's strength. Just know that fear's opponent is courage, and that there's so many of us out there that will help give you support and be there for you and try to help you find a different way to get through things. There's so many things out there in the world that will bring you joy and happiness. Do not focus on all the things that are bringing you down or making you sad. Focus on something else. Eliminate the negativity as much as you can out of your life. If you're overwhelmed, don't turn the TV on. Don't look at social media. (laughs) You know, just have some quiet time with yourself with a good book with an with an animal or a family member something something that brings you joy and remember that you're more than anybody could ever tell you you are you can move through anything as long as you remember who you are at the end of the day
0: elizabeth i feel so lucky to have met you you helped me and us all to be in touch with ourselves you're an extraordinary person and physician and uh, please take care of me when i get sick um, please in closing i want to quote nate kessner again who is your system medical director liz is extremely passionate about her patient care and her colleagues she has been an exceptional addition to our team and immediately fill the leadership void in a way that exceeded all expectations. Her colleagues and patients appreciate that she will fight with them all the way. We have been beyond fortunate to have Liz join us. It's wonderful. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. If you ever need anything, please let me know. And don't get sick because I don't want to have to
0: <laughs> Yeah, okay. That's a deal. I won't. I hope you've enjoyed this Beyond Clinical Medicine podcast with Dr. Elizabeth Chapadin-Rivard. If you have questions about this topic or suggestions for any others, please contact me at beyondclinicalmedicine.org. That's beyondclinicalmedicine.org. Thank you.